Hey friends, this is Matt. This episode with Quinn and Joshua goes back almost six months ago, uh, May 21st of 2020. So when we're talking about the state of the world, COVID, all that stuff, uh, jump in your time machine and go back to six months ago. I can barely remember what happened uh, last week, but it was a great episode. Life took some twists and turns, but I still wanted to get it out and released and talking about their Wings for Life 24 hours around Estes running and hand cycling. So thanks for listening as always and enjoy. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I have people skills. I am good at dealing with people. You just don't know when to give up, do you? I need to do this all day. The Matt Sodnicker Podcast. Welcome to the podcast. This is Matt Sodnikar. Thank you to everybody for listening. And with me again, Quinn Brett, Joshua Stevens, fresh off uh, a couple of weeks ago, the Wings for Life relay, the 24 hours around Estes Park. And Quinn, Joshua, great to talk to you again. Great to see you again. Cheers. Congrats on your event. Thanks for having us again. Good, good to see and hear you, my friend. So how was it? 24 hours in a, <laughs> in, a, in a circle. How did it go for you? It was a breeze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, you know, a learning experience. Um, I, think, I, I think more to the point, it, it's a matter of, you know, how successful was it in terms of Quinn and I accomplishing some of our goals uh, and, and, you know, realizing the, the concept uh, by seeing it through. And from that perspective, it, it was amazing. But like any endurance endeavor, um, whether you're, you're Quinn cycling 76 miles or me running 100, it's, it, had, it had its uh, transcendent moments, its <laughs> beautiful moments, and it's why the hell am I doing this moments. <laughs> Did either one of you completely lose your shit? <laughs> No, I didn't anyway, but I, I'm a little more fortunate. Like I'm on my hand, my bike, but it's also e-assist. So like I got to jump in the car when it was pouring rain, whereas Josh just kept going around and around. <laughs> Literally the most boring thing you could have ever <laughs> observed was an idiot running in circles through every weather condition we could have had. Yeah. <laughs> And did you experience all the seasons like a typical Colorado day in the mountains? Yeah. What was interesting is when we started to Quinn's point, it was actually pretty ideal. It was overcast, but the the ambient temperature was nice. Uh, Winds were relatively mild and you know, it's, you get lulled into that false sense of security, but we're in the high Rocky mountains and, and those things change on a dime. And we knew that there would be precipitation. I did not suspect that, you know, in the seven days kind of leading up to the second of May, we'd had nearly late spring, early summer, like conditions. And then the ensuing seven days after the event, we had the same condition. <laughs> 
stuck in the middle of that was, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it, it, I felt at times, this is gonna, I'm going to invoke hyperbole, but it's like the scene in Forrest Gump where, where Lieutenant Dan is squaring off with God and he's strapped to the mast. And you, you know, it was, you're like, really? The rain, I get, but the sideways sleep, was that necessary? That was, a, that, <laughs> that was a cool. And, and anyone who knows what gear I run in, the short shorts are really not the, the right call. Yeah, I was going to talk about that at some point. <laughs> yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a poor choice, man. It was, a poor choice. Uh, it was awesome, though. And you know, I, I, mo I mainly remember just like, moments of you know seeing Quinn out there I was like one time it would have been like the coolest meme like fire coming off like Quinn came passing me on the bike and I was running under one of these power uh these kind of electrical power towers that have two American bald eagles that hang out in there and yeah so like those are the things I, I kind of remember more so than being being hypothermic but yeah i mean it's estes park right if if yep. quinn and i wanted to make it easy we'd have done it in daytona but you do it in estes. <laughs> so quinn was this your first 24-hour uh endurance event um with this injury yes i've done many before this injury um, but yeah, this is different. Like there's a lot more. Yeah, just the body maintenance to take care of. Like, and it's pouring rain sideways. I look down at one point, and my knees are sitting in. Like I'm in a kneeling position on my bike, and I look down, and my knee trays are just puddles. And it was freezing cold puddles. So I was like, oh, and I probably can't feel how cold my legs are actually getting. So I should probably go do something about that. <laughs> well, let me tell you, she made it look good, dude. She came rolling by me one time with like UGGs and a parka. <laughs> Happy little look, and I'm like, damn, the girl is killing it. <laughs> so I mean, it's raining sideways, but Quinn, Quinn was killing it. That's so warm, man. I can't feel my feet. <laughs> uh, dude, you need Josh. You need a shot with Uggs in your short shorts. That would be great. Yeah. America can't handle it, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Tom Brady he's fired from the Uggs. Model. <laughs> I mean, he's a good second choice for Uggs. <laughs> So Quinn, this is your first one after the injury. What was the, what, what had you done 24 hour wise before and what was the hardest thing or some of the hard things to adapt to, to this one? Um, this one, as far as 24 hours go logistically, this one felt actually pretty easy. Like I've done like two routes on El Capitan in a day, which we did in 22 hours or something. Um, and many running endeavors the same, but a lot of the climbing endeavors, like they're so specific, like not only do you need the gear and the clothing and the food and the calories and all that stuff, but you're also dealing with weather. It just felt like there's a lot more outliers to those endeavors where this one, I was like, okay, I just need, like I have my van, I've got my pea supplies and I've got a whole bunch of warm clothes that I can change into. And that seems pretty reasonable. The fact that you have like this station to go back to whenever you want is really lovely. When you're out doing these longer outdoor adventures, you don't have that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, there were definitely some benefits uh, to, to how we had it set up. And those were intentional, logistically speaking, but uh, it's still, it's still 24 hours. Mm -hmm. You know, Quinn and I, I wouldn't say we have a jaundice view because you do this stuff so much. Uh, I think that's, I think it's one of the remarkable time frames in which to do any type of athletic event. Say like for, I'm going to do a full day 
of something. Uh, it was pretty cool. And it's always a challenge or it'll always present certain challenges. Yeah, the closest I've come to that, I did, I was part of a three person team for 24 hours in the old Pueblo, a mountain bike race. And one of my laps was middle of the night. And I remember getting to the furthest point in the course and I knew it cause I'd ridden a couple laps during the day and it's dark. And even though it's Arizona, it's the desert and it's cold and just the, the darkness and the isolation and yeah. it wasn't hopeless. Uh, you know, I was out there with a bunch of other people, but yeah, just your whole world is in the, the beam of your headlight and your handlebar light. And it does it, I'm thinking back on it now. It took me a little while to adapt to that and then being tired and the handlebars didn't go where my brain wanted them to go. I'm just getting right. frustrated. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, right. That's twofold. I think like in this kind of endeavor, you're on your own. So you're dealing with your own personality and your own motivation. But for me and like climbing endeavors, you're dealing with another personality that you're stuck with for 24 hours. So at least during this, like you can, yeah. You're by yourself or like we had people popping in and out. So it kind of just changed the scenery up a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good point. A question for both of you. What's your self-talk like during events like this? Because <clears throat> you're, you're getting tired, you're getting worn down, you know, who knows how many gels or, or whatever you're eating and just the, you know, what are you saying to yourself during this? Well, Do you remember? As, as most people suspect, Matt, I'm I'm a I'm a highbrow intellectual, so I'm typically just quoting passages from Dostoevsky and Tolstoy. <laughs> <laughs> I had you picked as a more of a Shakespeare man myself. Yeah. I can no, man, I'm I'm <laughs> bitching and whining and being snivelly <clears throat> to myself. I mean, it's it vacillates, right? Like, yeah, you have moments where that's transcendent. It feels beautiful and. You're in a you're in a space uh, emotionally and, and and intellectually and physically where just this that's a why Quinn and I do what we do right like if she has that perfect send or I just have that perfect moment in a race you have those and then you know then you've got the uh, you know like one of my favorite passages in in the Phantom Toll Booth and the doldrum sometimes it's just vanilla you're not really thinking of anything insightful or particularly negative or positive you're just kind of in a space and then you have for me generally with at every hundred mile distance there's a couple of times where um you're talking yourself out of quitting you know so i think i've done you know there's there are a lot of distances for for ultra running for me a hundred is one of my favorites just because you do experience the full spectrum and it's not as exciting as people think. Like it's always not intense and vibrant. So I mean, most of it's really damn boring. Not boring. Like you're just not thinking of anything that's particularly, you know, extraordinary. And 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 I would defer to Quinn on the climbing side, where you're being much more engaged. The technical requirements are, are much more intense throughout. But yeah, man. Like you know, when I started, it was great. And then it rained, and it wasn't great. And then it was cold and dark at night and I was whiny and then I came out of that. So yeah, everything. It's like having a kid. I'm like a toddler with money. <laughs> a question for each of you. Do you acknowledge how miserable the circumstances are? And let me, let me put some context behind that because the, 
the friends that I ride with most consistently and we sort of, we all know that the headwind is bad or that the it's cold and the hill is steep and nobody cracks and acknowledges and gives power to it. And people that are the ones that are whiny and complaining and, and maybe just pointing out the obvious are ones that we've just not invited back. And yeah. <laughs> in, in both of your experiences, are you conscious of the circumstance or do you make an effort to put it out of your mind? I think, well, for me, I have a tendency to like break things down into silly little packages. So like running the rim to rim to rim of the Grand Canyon. I was like, cool, well you start in the dark. So that's like a wash because who remembers running in the dark? So you run down the seven miles down in the dark, cool. Then daylight starts at the river. So daylight up to the other side of the canyon and back is like a marathon. It's like 26 miles, sweet, I'm running a marathon. And then hiking back up that seven miles, it might be light, it might be dark, who knows, but I'm not gonna be running because it's really steep and I'm gonna be tired. So really all I'm doing is running a marathon. And so during those moments, just, yeah, I think I acknowledge like maybe this sucks right now or maybe I have knee pain right now, but it's not, it's only right now. It's not gonna last like in five minutes from now, maybe I'll be distracted and I'll forget about it or I'll change my gait a little bit and then I no longer have knee pain. So I think I do uh, recognize when shit sucks like that piece of gear below me really sucks, but this is where we are now. What can I do to mitigate it to make it better rather than focusing on how shitty it is? I think that's, uh, it, it's wise. And, and what she is also alluding to, um, I think, or what she alluded to earlier is climbing, you're oftentimes with a partner. And I think kind of coming back full circle, Matt, to how do you self-select who you surround yourself with when things are not fun? Nobody likes Nestor negative, right? I mean, we all have that face, but is there anything more aggravating than Captain Obvious? It's cold. Oh, really, dude? I hadn't, I hadn't noticed. Thanks. This is really early. Again, super insightful and helpful. Like, I think... Well, we're going to be out in it for another 12 hours, so right. how can we... How can Let's we do it? Right. And, and I think when you find your soulmates, if you will, or you find your partners, the people that you do, like Quinn and I have done stuff where you're really pushing, you're pushing some significant boundaries. And you better be surrounded by people who are really bringing out your better angels. Because it's very easy. It's a slippery slope. Like if, like I, I tend to be a very sensitive, mirror so I reflect the energy of the people in my space and that's something I didn't become aware of until probably in my 40s that I intentionally have just like we had for this event my team is amazing they're all kind and smart and sensitive and bright and committed and you know Quinn and I probably both and I can't speak for but we've learned the hard way to your point Matt like if you're in a peloton <laughs> and and 50% are jackasses then that 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 journey that ride's going to be awful it's not going to be a good experience and so yeah you have to you have to pick you have to pick carefully uh it's, it doesn't sound profound but it's way harder than people think because it's especially when you get to certain levels, like finding people that have an equivalent skill set that aren't complete tools 
It's not, it's a lot like a huge pool of candidates. Yeah. Uh, you know, somebody said it and I can't remember which military or Navy SEALs book, but it was the, the mind always quits before the body has to. And if you're in a, and you mentioned the Peloton and we've had five guys that have done the Santa Fe century a couple of times. And one of us is always down and the other four are up and it just rotates. And yes, that camaraderie, that brotherhood or sisterhood that it's like, well, they're falling. I need to step up and an extra 5% and turn on my, charm or mojo or encouragement because you know i'm gonna be i'm gonna be carrying the watermelon in my backpack here pretty soon right so right but also being aware of like what works for them being compassionate enough to know that like oh you know what if i give them a little bit more encouragement that works for them if i give them a little bit more encouragement they're actually gonna get pissed and drop out so yeah just knowing as a teammate what what works best for each one of your teammates yeah and none of these things happen in a vacuum, right? Even if you're just an individual on a push, outside of some very specific examples, there are always people around you that are involved. And that may just be family members, it may be a crew, it may be, you know, maybe a two-person two climbing team. But yes, you know, you guys are both right. And if it, I think if anyone knew how to bottle up that concept and sell it, uh, it's probably some rock star calling. My brother. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it may get, I guess anyone listening to this is going to be like, duh, no kidding. Don't, don't be around idiots. It's, it's not that simple because you say it's, everybody's happy and everyone seems cool when it's, you're in a room temperature environment, and you're well fed and you're, you know. One of my favorite quotes to the bottom of my emails, it's a Plato quote. You can learn more about a person in an hour of play than you can in a lifetime of conversation. Oh, it's brilliant. brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's why the military, especially in elite units in training, the first thing they do to figure out who you are is they induce sleep and food deprivation. Because when, when you're fat, dumb, and happy, <laughs> everything's gravy, right? But like, put you on a big wall when it's cold and windy and you're scared, you're going to figure out who that person is real quick. Yeah. If you want to figure out who I am as a human, don't look at me 10 miles into a race. Find me around mile 76. (laughs) (laughs) That's where you're going to find the real, the real dude. That's when I had a proud moment during this, uh, for me during this 24 hour event. It was like, it was a very unusual moment anyway. Uh, As I'm, I had two laps kind of middle of the day after the first rainstorm that I was by myself. And I was like, I'm going to go fast and just get my heart rate up. And I totally did. And then a friend happened to be on the trail on the second lap around. And so we, he was like, holy shit, you're calling ass. And then the third lap I started going and I was like, oh, I'm feeling kind of tired. My arms are actually like, wow, my pace is actually slowing down. And I had a moment where I clicked and was like, why are you going fast? Like, you don't need to keep going fast. Like, you're going to use your arms for the rest of the day, the rest of your life. Like, chill out. I've never said that to myself ever chill out so that i don't know something i'm learning from this injury is like what am i pushing for who am i pushing for what like i'm still going to be around this lake 20 like who cares if i do 25 laps or 30 who really cares right that's a great point uh, yeah uh, see how much we learn from her <laughs> <laughs> well yeah just your point about the the sleep deprivate sleep deprivation and the hunger some of my closest mates men and women are 
we've suffered together and no, it hasn't been combat or, or training, but it's been, you know, stuck in a thunderstorm or fat biking and we're out in the middle of nowhere and the wind picks up and we've just have this, you know, I think misery loves company and it also builds. Man, man, I builds Let me just inject something quickly. Suffering doesn't need to be the, the traditional interpretation of what you think is awful. I would contend that being in college with a new girlfriend's family on the holidays, watching the sound of music may have been the worst <laughs> I've ever been thrown into. Like you, you, you can, you can, you can simulate suffering in any number of spaces. It doesn't have to be at Bud's or Ranger School yeah. or climbing the nose. I mean, <laughs> suffering comes in all shapes and sizes. For me, it's a, any musical. Oh. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I, I have grown to tolerate slash appreciate musicals because of my daughter, but I still find it weird that people just break into song during a play and then sing to each other. That's just, I just can't get past that. You, ha you haven't hung out with Quinn enough. <laughs> so Quinn, you'd mentioned um, slowing down on that, those first couple of laps. Were you always full throttle and, and where did that mindset come from uh well i grew up swimming and i think that gave me like just a sense of one it's an individual sport two i'm always just watching the clock and so i'm trying to improve my time so when i started getting more into running and triathlons i realized like the same thing like yes i'm competitive perhaps against others but more it was against the clock Mm. Um, so always running around in Estes, like, okay, this is my like run that I always do on my birthday. And I usually do it under 30 minutes. Cool. Well, I wonder if I can do it in 29. Wonder if I can get to the long, on top of Long's Peak in under two hours. Wonder if I can get there in an hour and a half, like just always racing the clock. And so for me, I don't know, I would always <laughs> I find myself at a trailhead on occasion being like, just go on a jog. Like you don't need to like run seven minute miles, but you could run 13. But inevitably, I'd find myself like head down, like <gasps> breathing so heavy and like, oh, my God, what are you doing? Here we are. But it's too late and I'm in it. And then I beat myself by two seconds. That's neat. <laughs> yeah. So it was a hard place for me to find those like slower moments. <laughs> I struggle with that, too, because I, you know, something that needs to happen, it should happen right now, it should have happened two milliseconds ago. And learning patience and you know in the the six no nine weeks we've sort of been yeah either quarantine shelter at home relaxed whatever that is i'm like there's really not a clock anymore but it's the hardest <laughs> thing for me to not spring out of bed and if i'm not at my desk doing something by 7 15 i feel like i'm late i'm like yeah. dude where are you going there's no you know, what is wrong with you but yeah it's just that that timer that's always the grains of sand clocking down in my head right like feet hit the floor it's eight o'clock you better get going and if it's eight o'clock and you haven't hit the floor what you what who are you you're guilty it's it it's interesting though because i don't know how reductive we can get about that i think and this is this again is going to sound you know, anything but profound or insightful. But what makes Quinn special is 
some blend in between because Quinn isn't who she is without that intrinsic and extrinsic motivation to do those things. And I mean, isn't, you know, I don't know that we should, you know, entirely schlep off when she was sending things or when I try to, you know, set the time on a segment. I mean, those things are good, but in balance. And I think perhaps, you know, to, from a meta perspective, what we're experiencing right now, it's not binary. I don't know that it should be either or, you know, that we're living on island time or you're living in Manhattan time, right? It's, it's somewhere in between. Because mm -hmm. Quinny is like, she's crushed stuff. And if she had just been, you know, somebody at Evergreen College in Olympia making their own pottery major, you know, and I'm like, ah, you know, what day is it? I don't know. Like that, you know, I don't know that society or sport would have benefited as much. So I'm a little careful now in through the lens of, we all, you know, social media or other things, it's, it's by its nature reductive. So yeah, I think time management or time pressure is sometimes good. Maybe, maybe this reset just helps us understand how to put it in perspective or to rebalance it in a way, but you know, sitting here with her and hanging out, Quinn's still Quinn. I mean, she's differently abled now, but trust me, she's still competitive. She still wants to kick my ass at everything. <laughs> I tried to get him to like wrestle earlier today. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't want Quinn to be different than that. But yeah, but Matt, I mean, that, that's all. That's all I'm saying. Like, it's 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 not an either or. But you're right. I mean, it's. I think this gave us a chance, a natural pause to step back and to look at how much how much of the go 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 stuff is healthy. Right. Right. Part of it is, but you know, and I how think how much of it is just like churning on a wheel. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's all stardust, but she's just going to have more records than some of the other stars. <laughs> I've, I've really grown to appreciate, I would say, the slower pace of life the past couple months. And yeah, there was, I think probably the third week of March, I was a little bit, you know, I think I was talking to my therapist about it. And I think I was situationally depressed kind of through April. Yeah. And yeah. Um, <clears throat> even though having like a list and a calendar and things to do and things that energize me, like it just seemed like maybe with the lid completely off the jar, well, what does it matter? Right. Well, I'll get to it, you know, tomorrow. And um, I've since, you know, course corrected, talked about it and, and refocused, but certain things that were so important to me in February, like going to a brewery and having a, having a beer. Right. I'm not really too concerned about that. Like I, I still see people and have some interactions, but yeah. man, the overhead of a lot of this stuff, like, Oh, what am I going to wear? How am I going to get there? How long am I going to be out? Like it's whatever it is. Uggs makes it better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's just been, you know, so much, um, unnecessary decisions that I'm not making anymore. And I really am enjoying it. I really am. No, I think that's cool. Keep brushing your teeth though. Yeah. What, uh, every day or <laughs> only on like, no, I think, I think, I think just it's the difference between being 
hyper acute and hyper aware to, you know, a reasonable, this is like a reset, it's like reboot. Um, you know, or, and or, you can, you can almost get carried away with it, whether it's carbon emissions or uh, any number of things that have benefited, at least anecdotally from COVID-19. I think just that sense of self and, a, and being comfortable being alone at times, those are all healthy things. Mm -hmm. uh, but I just get a little, I get a little nervous when pe people get too reductive, Matt, you know, like put it in buckets because to Quinn's point, like brushing your teeth, it's a pretty big deal. You want to do that. Like, I don't necessarily <laughs> want to be Tom Hanks talking about volleyball for the rest, for the rest of my life. Like I, I like, I like my friends and my family and stuff, but, no, I, I think you're, I think you're right on. I definitely think that first, when I came back from San Francisco, uh, from what was supposed to be my first race of the year, this is mid March. And it was kind of when the stay at home orders were just beginning to be initiated here in the States. The ensuing 30 days, that was tough for me too. You know, my therapist probably, could send a kid through college with the overtime she got from that. Like <laughs> that, that, that first 30 days was difficult because I tend to be a little more of an outgoing um, extrovert. I'm, a, I'm an INFJ in the, on the Myers-Briggs things, but I, I, I do like my time with my friends and people. I think that was a hard adjustment. And to your point, I think I'm much more comfortable we're, we're, with where we're at right now. But, you know, it's all, again, all about balance and moderation. And that's not like, I'm not going to get invited to the Harvard School of Business to uh, to break out that insight, but I do think it's appropriate. Yeah, I remember what uh, not exactly the the day on the calendar, but it was a morning that the coffee maker went off about six thirty, and the alarms are going off, and I snoozed them all and looked at the ceiling fan, and it was probably 8:45, and the the coffee is right there and i'm smelling it yeah. and i just was like i can't be bothered to get up and just like what does it matter <laughs> and and it, it wasn't and again mild situational depression was all it was and i don't want to minimize that by any means because it it affected i think pretty much the whole month of April. And, but I was like, okay, I guess that's just where I was. And just maybe I was tired and bored and, and not that I'm embracing the routine and the sameness, but it's become like, I'm looking for smaller details that are magical. And I, I've worked on all my bikes. They're all clean and dialed and, you know, the shifters I, I bought last summer that I was going to finally put on, like I finally put on and, and I wrapped the bars and it took me, oh, I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this exactly right. And again, just enjoying the, the pace. Yeah. So. I've got one. If you've got extra time. Uh, a bike. Yeah. <laughs> well, you're so, you're so inclined. You seem to be in a groove. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I don't do suspension and I don't bleed brakes, but other than that, I can pretty much do anything else. A lot of the, a lot of people, I don't know what I'm seeing on social media or talking to you or talking to friends and what they're experiencing with COVID has been interesting. Like, um, 
relaying that back to just spinal cord injury and trauma in itself, like um, coming out of the hospital and, or going out to eat for the first time and people being like, oh, it's just so nice to see you out. I'm like, well, I don't really want to be laying in bed all day. Like, mm -hmm. I'd rather be doing other things. That's the alternative. Right. And, but finding those little things for me to grasp onto because I wasn't a person who wanted to be sitting, let alone being in bed all day. So what am I finding that motivates me um, and gives me purpose? And I think a lot of people are struggling with that right now. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be. I ran, I ran into Quinn once just anecdotally outside of Safeway. I'd never seen someone so fired up to make appetizers or whatever she was, she was going to do. I was coming out of Safeway. Quinn was coming in and she was on fire. I was going to make wontons. Wontons. This girl was fired up. I loved it. <laughs> Purpose. Purpose. Sometimes it's, it's just one. It's the joy in simple things, and they're always there, and they're always accessible. They're always accessible. Right. You just got to see them. You got to identify them and and appreciate that. Sometimes it is, yeah. It's just that ability, and I think maybe you know not to go not to you know go back too far into that difficult transition into the COVID nineteen um, control measures that were put in place. I think many of us do enjoy a simple life it's once you remove the choice mm -hmm. from that scenario like i'm far more inclined to hang out with my very small circle of friends doing the kind of same rudimentary routine that i that i do on any given day um i think my challenge matt emotionally uh, and then to Quinn's point about just having purpose and, and going in and doing things is once you remove those choices, if it's caf if you're living life cafeteria style, then all your choices except for garbage mac and cheese are gone. That I think that's that is a difficult transition. Um, I'm a trail runner. You shut down Rocky Mountain National Park. It really is very limiting. Mm -hmm. uh, it is a lot, a lot of those things. Like, so I, I flash back to just moments of seeing Quinn's face smiling as she's rocketing into Safeway <laughs> to make, to get fixings for wontons. Cause that's really how it should be. Right. Just like you should be able to find that joy and simplicity. Uh, and at the same time, appreciate being able to be in quiet space by yourself and, and not necessarily live a flash lifestyle. I think maybe hopefully most of, most of us will come out of this transition with a little bit better understanding of that. I'm already not digging the traffic and just going to King yeah. Supers. And again, I live in Parker and it's not downtown Denver, but right. I enjoyed, you know, no cars on the road, zombie apocalypse. And <laughs> now, now it's back to normal ish. And uh, I got stuck at this stoplight and there's 10 cars. Like I don't, it was better before when there was nobody out. It was quiet. It was slow, you know? So, yeah. <clears throat> so as a cyclist, Quinn, I have some questions about the, the hand cycle and yeah. you know, um, are your pedals at uh, 180 or do you have them uh, synchronized like uh, parallel? Does that make sense? Like, and, yeah. and I know nothing about it other than just seeing some pictures. So I'm, I'm fascinated about, um, like the shifting and the braking and the steering. And I, uh, as a cyclist, I'm, I'm just curious about that. Totally. So what I ride, um, I have two different bikes, but the hand cycle I have is called a reactive adaptations bomber. 
Um, it's a mountain bike version. I have just rear suspension, or excuse me, yeah, just rear suspension. Um, and the pedals are, so I kneel on these little trays. My, um, looks like I'm in like all four position, like on hands and knees. So I kneel, my chest is on a saddle. So I get saddle sore in between my boobs, which is so mm. lovely. Um, and that's a little bit padded and it has a little bit of, um, it's connected to cables, which has a little bit of turn to it. So it connects to the front wheels. Um, and then I have mountain bike handlebars on the front and then just below the mountain bike handlebars are cranks and they're at 180. Okay. And so when I'm, if I'm just like mildly going around the lake, I can have both hands on the pedals and I can use my chest to steer because they're not really that sharp of turns. But if I want to do more technical, like the other day, I rode a little bit of sourdough um, outside of Boulder or outside of Netherland, the sourdough trail. And that's really technical. And so I'm using one hand on the crank and one hand on the actual handlebars to give myself some sharper steering leverage. Did your climbing strength help you when you started on the hand cycle? And what are the muscle group? I'm thinking that it might be triceps and lats and shoulders, but did the pulling from climbing, was that an easier transition? Do you reckon? I think so, man. I remark all the time. Like I'm lucky that I'm a tiny human and that I was a climber before. Cause I, I don't know, like if you've ever seen anyone who's paralyzed go on an airline, an airplane, the little aisle chair, like you're on this little freaking chair that scoots down the aisle. And like, I have a tiny little butt, but I'm like my wheelchair now, what I sit in that makes my, my hips 22 inches wide. And if you're not a hundred pounds, like I am, you're 200 pounds. Holy shit. Your hips are 40 inches wide in that little chair. You're not getting down the aisle or you're not, you don't have any arm strength to move yourself from one plane to the other. Holy crap. Yeah. And just having the spatial awareness of rock climbing, like that has been another huge thing that I'm thankful for in this injury. Like I have the motivation, the spatial awareness, the muscle strength, all of it. Um, yeah. And as far as what muscles you're using, right. Like you, a lot of it, like in wheelchair life, you're pushing. Um, and so it's really nice to have the hand crank, obviously like in a road bike, like use your hamstrings or the bigger muscle, use the heel strike. Um, so trying to remember that and the same with this, like pull up, try to use my bigger back muscles, not just my arm muscles. Wow. And then, you know, how does it, uh, what's your top speed on that thing? <laughs> have you ever tracked that? Well, what I think I've had my Strava on. I've gone up Fall River Road and down Trail Ridge. That was one of my first big bike rides with that. And I think I was going like 35 to 40 on Trail Ridge. And this has mountain bike tires. So this is not like this is not a road bike machine. Like the road bikes, you'll see like you see a lot of people out there more so on the on the road bike machines where they're laying down on their backs and their hand crank is in front of them and their feet are out in front of them. Uh, I'm sure you could go faster there and be a little bit more agile. But I'm pretty tippy. This machine's like pretty tippy. I have it seemed fast when she was <laughs> passing me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> The standard wheels he puts on are 24 inch rims, but I put on 26, which has been really lovely for, because I'm trying to go on Rocky Mountain National Park hiking terrain. So that clearance has been awesome, but it also makes me tippy. Like I have no muscle coordination or anything from like pant line low. So I can't pull up a hip or use a quad or something. If, I, if I'm leaning to the left too far, I can't kind of like correct it with any of my lower half. It's all like, okay, engage the core and push down with your arm again. Um, so going 36 miles an hour is probably not recommended. 
<laughs> don't read the manual, Quinn. It doesn't matter. <laughs> don't ever look at the. <laughs> Trying to get her not to do it. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I have a, a small world story for you, Quinn. Um, my friend uh, Joe here in Parker. He'd seen my post on our, our podcast last month, and he had mentioned that in April 2018, I'm sure, hopefully you remember this, he was going up St. Mary's Glacier. Oh, yes. And uh, your two friends from Canada is what he was telling me. Yes, he was the one guy that helped. Yeah. Oh, crap. Yeah. I love shit. Like that was my first outdoor adventure. And we like, all my friends from Canada, obviously like, they're like, let's go take you into the mountains. And we went and I had like my brand new wheelchair with slick road bike tires on. No, I had no body control at all. It was like four months from my injury. I had no idea what the shit I was doing. Uh, and we had a dog leash for some reason. And so they tied the dog leash to the front of the wheelchair and then started pulling me up this snowy glacier. Yeah. And then Joe came by and was like, can I help? I'll take the, vi he video camera did the whole thing. That's just crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. You guys believe that? He, yeah. He shot me that uh, Sunday, May 3rd on, on Seriously? At a, yeah, an email. Nuts, like, I saw your post. I listened to the podcast. He's like, I know this person. I know Quinn. Well, what's up, Joe? Yeah, say hi to him. That's awesome. I will. Go so rad, dude. That's so cool. Thanks for joining me on my first Back to the Mountains adventure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's been one of the, the gifts of this podcast and just these conversations is, and I think my life is blessed that way anyway, just these connections like you know, Josh, you and Victor, and then now Quinn yeah. and Joe, and just finding how close we all really are and it's you're gonna have just, to hope the six degrees of kevin bacon thing. <laughs> <laughs> victor and joe linking quinn and i together through yeah. you is like mystery science theater 3000 crazy That's yeah well, I did, I did a podcast party last September and I wanted to connect everybody and I think it may have been I don't know. I hit a milestone on the number of episodes, but it was more like every time I talk to somebody, it's like, Oh, you've got to meet this person and connect this person and this, that, and the other. And I, I want to open it up next time. I think um, whenever we're unrestricted and it'll be at a hundred plus episodes, but I just want to make it a public nice. event because not everybody that is going to be a guest knows everybody. And so people that listen, they're like, I, I would love to then, like you're saying, Josh, just expand the connections and see who yeah, knows if, if everybody. You do it, like if you do it, I'll incentivize people to show. I'll wear Uggs. <clears throat> I'll show up in Uggs. All right. Regardless of what time of year it is. So. And, and true confession, I actually, somebody got me a gag gift. I have some probably shorter shorts than you some stars and stripes running shorts so that's a, that's a thin slice of heaven my friend i'm not saying Definitely. i'm gonna wear them i'm saying i got them but <laughs> <laughs> we wear because we care matt that's why you need to put them on I got them at the party. It's so somebody had brought them and half the party was laughing and the other half was like, why did you do that? You know, he's going to put them on. <laughs> we live in a world where Tiger King is reality. We're not going to really get any one of those shorts. Dude. <laughs> so going back. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Quinn. Sorry. I just got excited. I found that video from, you'll have to send it to Joe. Okay. <laughs> nice. Yeah. 
So going back um, to this event and, you know, talking about quitting, have either of you quit an endurance event? Yeah, I have. Okay. What were the circumstances leading up to that? Uh, one of the first, well, the first ones that come to my brain is doing the Estes Park Half Marathon up here um, early on in my living up here. I was in my 20s. And I don't know, it was just hot. Like I have dark hair and I get real hot anyway. Like I'm a hot running person. Um, and they had water stations, I think. It was like the first time the SS Park Marathon happened. Um, and I think they had water stations like every two miles or every three miles. And I was just like, uh-uh. Like you and I were talking about that run today. It goes up dry gulch over to yeah. devil's gulch, which is just yeah. like no trees, gradual uphill. And I think I got six miles into it and I was just like, I'm overheating. I'm not motivated. I'm quitting. And I was running with a girlfriend and it was really hard for me to quit and like watch her go. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've DNF two races. Uh, first time I attempted Leadville in 2017. Uh, and then when I went back to try to set a course record on a, on a, on a race that I'd won a couple years previous. And in both, in both cases, it's it's hard to suss out, Matt, what what amount of it was pre-existing injuries. In both cases, I was banged up a little bit, and perhaps in in one of the cases, I shouldn't have probably told the line, but I definitely quit. I mean, it's a conscious decision that I made that I wasn't willing to put up. I wasn't. I didn't have the I had the capacity. I didn't have the willingness to suffer uh, as much as I normally am. Uh, am willing to, uh, but yeah, so two, two very distinct occasions and I don't want to jump ahead of where you're going with that question, but in one case in Leadville in particular, it was, it ended up being a great forcing mechanism for me to train, uh, consistently and hard. And I had two really good seasons following that. I, I took bib number seven eleven because of course every idiot wanted to make a comment about that bib with some stupid 7-Eleven <laughs> reference. I put that on my microwave in my, in my apartment in Boulder for a year. So every time I wanted to, you know, fire up some Hot Pockets and just watch uh, <laughs> I, was, I, was like, I was like, man, I should be training. So, yeah. Those are my two. Well, and you sort of answered my follow-up was how hard is it to process quitting? when it happened and what was the hour like after it happened? What was the next day like? And then what was the next week like after you processed that? Because you're obviously both driven, accomplished, very goal oriented. And I'm guessing that on the, the balance sheet of goals accomplished versus goals not accomplished probably tilts very heavily to the positive side of that. What's the processing like when it doesn't happen? Hmm, for me, there um, used to be a lot of regret, um, or like shoulda, coulda, woulda kind of statements running through my head. Um, I think as I got older a little bit, I was trending away from a lot of those statements or habits or trying to get myself out of them, but they were still pervasive. Like, okay, fine. I didn't do this. So now tomorrow I should, I really rally, like prove that you can't like prove that you're not, you're not a quitter. <laughs> yeah it's tough and, and i don't know that there's a, a singular feeling yeah. that you have it's it's probably with 
anything that anyone who has experienced failure in their life. And, and I'm an old school in this, in the sense that I can't, again, I'll never speak for Quinn, but yeah, if you set out to do something and you don't do it, you have failed to do it. I mean, that's a reality. It doesn't, doesn't make you a failure. I, I'm not, that doesn't define me, but I think there needs to be, if you're willing to work hard enough to try to accomplish a goal that is outrageous or, or lives on the periphery of endurance sport or exploration, then failure is one of the extrinsic motivations that drives you to work hard to get to that point. And if you soften it too much, you know, it drives me crazy when I see this new age woo garbage about people calling DNFs, which is the term for did not finish, did not fail. Like, well, that's nonsense. Like I didn't go, <laughs> I didn't go to Leadville to run 70 miles. I mean, that was like, it's like one of my favorite lines from uh, the film running the Sahara that Matt Damon produced my friends, uh, two of my friends, Ray Zahab and Charlie Engel. Uh, we're part of that. And they're, you know, they're running the Trans-Sahel Africa from, from west to east. And they get to a point where, for political reasons, they may not be able to get into Libya and, and, and complete the mission. And Charlie just has this amazing, candid moment on the film where he says, hey, is it too late to call this film running most of the Sahara? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, like, man, if you care enough to get up and leave skin on the side of a rock, or to get blisters and, and have bloody toes. And like, yeah, man, I've failed twice. Uh, again, that doesn't make me a failure. In fact, it's probably inspired me to work harder. But yeah, if, I don't trust anyone who sloughs that stuff off willy-nilly. But to Quinn's point, like you got to soften the edges a little bit because that was one event. You can't become so self-deprecating that you allow that to define who you think you are. I want to fail a little bit because it makes the win so much sweeter. Right. And for climbing, it felt like, I mean, there's always failures. There's always like one move. Right. Like, sweet, I can climb 300 feet, but there's one move. That's I can't get, yeah, yeah, that right. I can't get. So, of course, that's a motivating factor. But it's also, yeah. I don't know, like I had, yeah, like you're right on the scale perspective. Like I have probably a thousand, a list of a thousand things that I still haven't done. And I'm sad about not having my legs to do them anymore. Right. Um, but I had to, like, I don't know. It's not a failure to keep having ideas and ideas and ideas and then just give them a shot every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. I processed failure a lot differently when I was younger and perfect and cynical. <laughs> and, and I, and I, Matt, you're and, still perfect. <laughs> <laughs> oh, go on. Um, but when I wasn't holding myself accountable, I would be, I would tell myself that, oh, I didn't care. And, Right. Uh, if I didn't get it, I, I didn't really care about it anyway. Right. And my biggest challenge is not drive and imagination. It's simply just consistency. And mm -hmm. the thing I'm facing this month is there's a virtual run down here or it can be anywhere, but um, had to set mileage goals. And I set a goal of 31 run miles for May and 310 on the bike and had kind of done like a loose plan, a loose spreadsheet, kind of like, all right, I'm going to add an extra short run, longer run, rides, all this. 
Nice. And um, I'm going to hit it because now I'm close and I'm obsessed with it. But again, because of the consistency and my challenge with <clears throat> attention and planning and, you know, maybe a binge watch here and there, like didn't, you know, like, man, if I had to do it all in one day, like I would just be fired up and doing it. But for me, like the kiss of death is like 1.6 miles every single day and just hitting it 7am like I oh that's why is that so hard for me right well yeah Rich, Rich Roll calls it the canon of consistency I mean that's the yeah yeah and, yeah. and I'm paraphrase uh, you know to, to those kind of goals and ambitions uh, you know keeping a ledger keeping a roster of wins and and losses is context again because winning isn't sweet if you win every time. If you send a pitch every single time, then it's how how can it be that rewarding when you finally do it? Like for me, a speed workout or a long like Muhammad Ali, and I'm paraphrasing. I'm embarrassed to not be able to quote this directly. You know, essentially said, if your dreams don't scare you, they're not big enough. And True. I've never met a competitor, a true competitor, a titan in any sport, Serena Williams, Conor McGregor, uh, LeBron James. Like, those people have you, – you don't, you don't arrive at the top of the pantheon because you haven't fallen short a few times or missed your shot. You know, the thing that I try to remind Quinn about is, like, two different lifetimes. Like, run, you know, when she was climbing before her accident, like – how many records and victories do you have? And if you'd not had a couple of those moves, you couldn't pull. Then those, I, I just, I firmly don't believe that the wins are ever that sweet. Like Leadville, when I finished it in 2020, because I, actually 2019, because I failed to do it in 2017, crossing that finish line was way better, man. It was mm-hmm. way better. I was so present and in that moment. And had it just been another hundred that I'd gone and banged out, mm-hmm. it would, like, I remember chills. I remember how I felt. I remember Ken and, and Marilee's voice on the, you know, uh, uh, broadcasting finishing time and that stuff. And man, if I hadn't completely imploded in 2017, mm-hmm. then that, that moment, Matt, would just not be vivid, man. It's, it's everything to me now. And that's because I failed at it previously. I've learned to process regret and going back to what you said, Quinn, a lot better and balance that with transparency and honesty to myself first and foremost, and trying to balance that against if I gave it everything I had and it still didn't turn out that, uh, you know, when just to be, you know, simplify and for the case of this conversation, then I can accept it and just learning to care and not wanting to feel that way again. And there were some regrets that it took me years to get over just because I didn't do everything that I could. And I swore that, you know, you have enough of those stack up. It's like, I'm not going to do this ever again. Like I am going to, you know, explode before I leave something I could have done on the table. I want to interject something real quick because I want Quinn's thought on this um, from a climbing perspective. Being honest with yourself 
is again one of the greatest gifts because there's nothing that drives me as crazy in my sport is when somebody who says yeah i'm i'm, I'm gonna be at the race but i'm just treating it like a training run <laughs> that is such hot garbage like, <laughs> you know when you get to the line have you done the work are you prepped you know who you're racing against and if you're fit and you've done the work and you've done all the prep you're going to go out there and give it everything you can. It's a total cop out to say I'm here, but I'm not really playing. Like then just go in the woods and do a damn run by yourself. Yeah. I'm sure in climbing. It's like, if you're going to send something, you know, if you've done the work and you know, if you're ready to do it, you don't, you don't caveat your day with, I'm going to just treat this like another recon. No, but I think for some people that's a way to lower the expectation even within themselves. Sure. Like I don't want to show up at the cliff and be the arrogant. Like I was not sure. somebody who ever really told my what my endeavors were. Like sure. I remember my friend uh, Libby and I when we did two routes in a day on El Capitan. Yeah. Like we kind of poked around through a film crew. We're like, well, this we're gonna break a record for this, so yeah. we should poke around and like get somebody to film it. But we didn't want to say what we were doing. Sure. And we came down from the first wall, yeah. and people that were down in the meadow and whatever, and they're like, "Holy shit, you're going up back up for another one? We should have totally known about this." I'm like, well, right, but we didn't know like how yeah. successful we would be. Like, yes, we're very fit and very trained for this, but. Sure. We didn't want to, I don't know, set that tone of like, I am going to do it, I, I think. Oh, yeah. No, I, I understand that. I, I think it's, I think to fully realize the gift of doing something outside of the normative standards mm -hmm. is you have, we talked about this in the first podcast, like spraying it and then sending it, th those are very reductive binary terms. I think, I think it's healthy to say, this is what I'm setting out to do. And there is a very real possibility I can't do it. Yeah. So when I do get it done or I don't, I've never been dishonest with myself. And I'm not saying, I think, I, you know exactly where you're coming from. I don't like, if you're going to show up and race, yeah. show up and race. Yeah. yeah and that's because okay, because I then I think you're diminishing everyone else who's been there. Like, I'm just treating this like a training, like a hobby job today. For sure. And I think my climbing partners would say that's something about me. Like, yeah. I would stand at the base of the cliff if we're going for a speed record or something. Like, I want to try hard. And yeah, I yeah. look at them and, like, yeah. and nod then you go and shake. Get it. Like, are you, can we try hard together? Yeah. Like, can we put in a full just, effort? This is scary as shit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> but just not acknowledging that, like, okay, let's put in a full effort. Like, yeah. Rather than... Let's just see how it goes, I guess. That's, that's perfect. That's exactly what I'm talking about. And that's when you, that's why you are who you are. Yeah. Like, even if it's just to one other person, that honesty and that introspective recognition that I am going to try to go hard. Yeah. And there's sometimes where it's like, it is like a, hey, let's just see how this goes. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Sorry, Matt. We're just chit chatting here. Like we're, <laughs> yeah. No. I, I, yeah, I, like, I, yeah. I mean, that's going to be a part I think, of it. I think, uh, because we talked about this on the first podcast, it's a, it's a struggle of humility and confidence and preparation and insecurity and all this kind of kettle of garbage emotionally that you go through. But to, to tie it back into the unifying theme, have you ever quit a endurance event? Yes, we both have. And I don't know that whether it was the Estes half marathon or me at Leadville, doesn't matter. The vehicle doesn't matter. It's, I, I'll, I, I can only speak for myself. Those, those experiences made the wins 
so much sweeter. And I don't ever want to toe the line at something that's a slam dunk. Like it, th if that race doesn't scare me, then I'm, I'm just playing it safe. Uh, you know, and that's, that's just not who I am. And it's definitely not who she is. Yeah. And I think for anybody that's not a ultra endurance athlete and what I love about this run challenge is there's people that have said, I'm fresh off having a baby three months ago and I just want to walk a mile a day and it doesn't matter right on. if it's extreme to you, if it's a challenge to you, don't, it, it has to exist in a vacuum and don't compare it to anybody else. It's it steals the joy from it. It doesn't right. matter are you yeah. doing a couch to 5k <laughs> or, you know, you're doing a first send like, it's stuff is all relative. No, I couldn't, I, I couldn't agree with that more. Like whatever scares you and that may be just do a walk two miles a day. If that's scary, then that's growth. It's good for you. Shit. Now for me, it's like riding my bike around <laughs> the neighborhood by myself. Cause it's something that I'm really embarrassed to do because people stare at me and cause the machine looks crazy. Like they're either intrigued by the machine or they're like intrigued of why I'm pedaling with my arms rather than like everyone else who pedals with their legs. And so it's an embarrassment factor, but that's a huge like goal for me to be like, you know what, just put in your headphones and go for a bike around the lake. Yeah. So rad. Yeah. I have, I have more respect for somebody that is <clears throat> struggling out there and doing a, a, a 12 minute, 15 minute mile that is, shuffling and in their mind barely moving than the 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 team guy that's all kitted up and then you know putting down 20 mile an hour average like whatever dude like yeah sure. yeah i remember from marathon runner quoting that like being like dude i run a marathon in two hours i commend the people who run them on five or six holy right. shit right yeah that's <laughs> yeah. exponentially more suffering yeah right? yeah, yeah. I, I think yeah that's and that's also just being a good human being and being an empathetic and understanding that we're all different vessels with different capabilities. Like I run real good, but don't put me in a spelling bee, man. I'm coming last. <laughs> like I get it. Like I know, like, I mean, just, yeah, it's, it's, this isn't all a competition. And I think when you do find your passion though, and you do find, your fire and whatever that is you do again like the prefontaine quote like don't waste the gift whatever that gift is get to the line say i'm going to run or climb as hard as i can and whatever my skill set is that's going to you know w whatever those limitations are doesn't matter it's like just just go all out do everything you can in some that transcends into i'm going to go bike around my neighborhood and I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm going to be like me or me trying to cook or doing like whatever. Like there are lots of things that I'm super insecure about, but I think I grow, I, I personally grow more from just staring down the barrel of those things and, and failing sometimes and getting back up and, and trying to do it again. It hasn't no the details on how fast I ran from point A to point B couldn't be more irrelevant. Growth comes from being a little bit scared and jumping into the deep end of the pool, flopping around and eventually getting to the other side. Yeah. And to paraphrase Teddy Roosevelt, the glory is in the attempt, not necessarily the, yeah. 
the execution or completion of it and just embracing yeah. that uncomfortable feeling that uncertainty the the flailing the splashing about the falling it's just it's like you said testing boundaries and, and pushing yourself i think whether you know if you look at where quinn and i live and you kind of look at the community the loose community of people that are like-minded souls i think it's when you stand at the base of a wall and you look up and you're like yeah it's freaking scary or you stand at the beginning of death valley and you're like i'm really really gonna run across this thing like <laughs> that that is that's way cooler to me and way more interesting than lining up at some local event where you know you're, you're the big fish in a little pond or you know it's, it sounds i mean any and you can apply it to far more than just sport it could be business it can be academics it can be crafting it can be anything like just forcing yourself to sit down and learn a new craft or try to hone a craft is and what, what better time than now right yeah, yeah. Plumbing, but that's where right the little sneaky tricks of like sneaky tricks. i know they say don't sweat the small stuff but i actually disagree i if you sweat the small stuff then it makes the big picture like all of a sudden just arrives right right mm -hmm. yeah yeah i mean it's it's again it doesn't sound profound but the people that i love in my life uh the people that i admire quinn quinn brett being near the top of that list are people that you know not only did what she did before her injury but what I get to see her do, you know, every day that we hang out and, uh, that's, you know, that's growth. And that's when you rotate off the mortal coil. I think you're a richer human being for having not just sat in some sedentary existence mm -hmm. and never lined up at the beginning of a race scared shitless. Mm -hmm. That's man. That's like, like, why am I doing this? Why, why am I here? Why? Oh my God. It's fucking raining on me. You know, <laughs> no one wants to hear me talk about what I did in high school as a soccer player. And rightly so. Like every, every morning is a new adventure. It's a new opportunity. And Quinn and I just, you know, are, are the framework of that's different now, especially for her. But man, what a gift to be her adventure partner right now. Just, being around her doing different cool stuff. And I think anyone who doesn't look at our stories and look at what we did for Wings for Life is missing the bigger picture in that I'd never run a hundred miles around that damn leg. <laughs> She's never biked, for, you know, like it, all that stuff was new and people were watching and looking and we felt the responsibility of executing it and representing the brands well. Like, I, I'd like to think that she and I every day still get up and try to do something that's terrifying. I, I love it. <clears throat> and yeah, I want to come up and, and ride with you, Quinn and, and Josh, I want to do a, a short run with you in our matching short shorts at some point. Sure. <laughs> Quick 50 around the lake, man. Yeah. 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 I'll, I'll meet you on the other side. You just go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> No, we'd love to see you up here, dude. Yeah. yeah. Well, again, uh, I'm so happy that we got connected and we met and that our conversations are really not so much about running and cycling and climbing. We get a little bit deeper. It's just been um, just a joy to connect with you both again. Yeah. Likewise, brother. Thanks, dude. Yeah. Cool. A
Yeah, now, now the Victor and Joe thing is just crazy. I know. <laughs> I got your text. I'm going to send that to him when we hang up. So, yeah. yeah. Matt, Matt, thanks so much for sharing our story and, and being invested in, in what we did on May 2nd and 3rd. And uh, we consider you part, part of the family now. And, and without giving up the ghost, this, this was just the beginning. Like the stuff I think that Quinn and I – want to do for spinal cord injury research uh, is we've barely scratched the surface of, I think this partnership and you will always be, you will always have a seat at the table for whatever shenanigans we get into going forward. <laughs> well, I, I thank you sincerely for that. And it's uh, an honor and I, I appreciate the praise. It, it means a lot. Thank you. Thanks Matt. All right, brother. If you like this show, I have two requests. Please share it with somebody you think might like it. And also make sure that they know what a podcast is and how to consume it, either on iTunes or Transistor or Spotify. And the second request is, I know you know somebody that would make a great interview. All these conversations are friends of mine either on social media, LinkedIn, or actually in person. And if you know someone with a great story, please let me know. I'd love to talk to them.